We're not running from here to there to figure out what's going on in our lives, but as we settle in and we rely on God, it's his strength that gets us through. Jesus is the lamb that's worthy. He's the one that's taken our sin and has given us the opportunity, no matter our scarcity or our abundance, to live in total commitment to him. Welcome to Elevate Retake. My name is Danae, and I'm going to be your host for this season. Now, on Elevate Retake, you can expect to hear the biblical messages of Michael Gibson. He's the pastor for Elevate, which is a community fellowship in Keene Church. Now, I want you to experience faith as that continual everyday process of learning. It doesn't just happen once. We need to learn more about the Bible, helps us learn more about ourselves, and ultimately, our goal to learn more about God. And I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come a little bit closer in your relationship with God and make it real. Today, we continue wandering. Our very first season that follows the wandering life of Abraham, the patriarch of Genesis. This episode asks the question, would you rather have means without purpose or purpose without means? In one sense, it'd be nice to have everything that we need, but Somehow we can never be fulfilled without having a sense of purpose. This one is up to you though. The life of Abraham definitely has something to say about that. Let's join Pastor Michael for today's episode, Feast and Famine. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. Feeling a little empty this morning, right? Last week we were packed out. If you were here, basketball tournament, I'm telling you, if you weren't here at 10.15 last week, Good luck getting in, right? Florida ceiling, wall to wall. It was incredible to have so many people last week. But we're back to regular programming this week. And I'm glad you're here. Welcome if this is your first time through the doors. And glad you're here if this is, hey, this is your home. Um, Thankful that you've decided to spend an hour with us on Sabbath morning here in Elevate at the Keene Church. Glad you're here. A couple of things to share with you that I want to bring to your attention before we dive into God's word. Next week is another high Sabbath. We've got about, I think it's anywhere between 200 to 300 high school students that are going to be visiting Southwestern Adventist University, which is right across the street, and they're going to be on campus for what we affectionately call Music Festival. So they're going to be singing all week. We've got choir groups, we've got wind symphony groups, and everybody in between. And we have the special opportunity for the past 11 years, the Festival Church Worship Service has been held down in the gymnasium. And that's gotten to the point of, hey, can we try something new? And we've been working something out with the university and the music department to actually have Music Festival Church in this space next week, February 8 at 1130. But what that means for us is that there's going to be about probably two to 300 extra worship participants in the 1130 service. And so we huddled as a lead team. We said, hey, let's make some space for them. So next week, Elevate is going to be on pause We're not saying that it's canceled, that's too negative. We're going to be on pause to allow them to have this space at 1015 to get all the high schoolers um, in here. And for, you know, if you ever tacked jello to a tree or tried to hurt a cat, you know when you get 300 people together and try to get them to go where you need them to go, it can take some time. So we're going to pause, we're going to step back for a week, 
and that'll re-energize us to, to hit it hard coming back in two weeks after that. So I want to make sure that you're invited. 11.30 next week is going to be a fantastic musical service. It's not going to feel like a regular 11.30 service. It's not going to feel like Elevate. We've got something cooking that's a little bit new, um, and I think you're really, really going to like it. So come next week, 11.30. We're not going to have here students or those of you that partook of breakfast. We're still going to have breakfast. It's going to be there in the morning um, for you so you can enjoy that. Um, but just wanted to make you aware of what's happening next week. So let your family members know. Let your friends know. Come next week at 11.30. Elevate's not happening at 10.15, but we'll resume again on the 15th. And last thing. Before we go, I know I mentioned two weeks ago we'd be doing some shop talks and we're working on some creative ways to bring those to you. But I have an exciting announcement for you, particularly those of you um, who when you see, I think it's about a rectangle about this big and it's green and normally has some guy's face on the front of it and like a building on the back. Um, if those of you that don't know, that's called cash. Um, you may not use that. Um, and the millennial generation and Gen Z, you don't use that. Um, this past week, the church board has said, hey, let's do something for our young people to increase our stewardship and our giving. And we're exploring the options of Venmo giving for the Elevate service. So those of you that said, hey, I can't put anything in the plate because I don't carry cash, and what's a check? Who writes those anymore, right? Uh, but everything's going digital, and so we want to give you the opportunity. If you haven't had the chance to give, we're going to be rolling that out hopefully in the next couple weeks. So we'll make you aware of that, but just wanted to let you know about that. The question asked a moment ago, Jonathan read it for us, probably be on the screen for you. Would you rather have means without purpose or purpose without means? This one's going to get hit hard and quick this morning, so I encourage you to keep pondering what that question means for your life. We're going to do our warm-up. I missed it last week. I don't know if you missed it. Um, if you uh, didn't miss it, well, too bad. Here we go. If you don't know what we're going to do, I'm going to put some statements up on the screen. If you agree with those, raise an open palm. If you disagree with them, raise a closed fist. And it just helps us kind of get an understanding of, of where we are, and it kind of directs us in the morning and helps us gain a better understanding of the text. So first statement up on the screen for you, I am more content than the person sitting next to me. Before I even finish the question, somebody raised a hand over there. Let's see it. I am more content than the person sitting next to me. I see some middle, there's some people that are not wanting to raise their hands. You're wanting to have a good civil lunch this afternoon. I understand. I understand. Okay, next one. To avoid an awkward situation, I've pretended to be something that, I've, that I'm not. To avoid an awkward situation, I've pretended to be something that I'm not. Okay, I, everybody that's raising hands is raising a yes. Okay, there was one no, and everybody else is like, I don't want to admit that I did, and so I'm just going to... I'm just going to leave that one to the side. Okay, number three, I'll use any chance I get to get ahead. I'll use any chance I get to get ahead. So people are honest saying yes, others are saying no. We're kind of 50-50 on this one. All right, number four. Number four. There we go. Abundance causes more problems in this world than scarcity does. Abundance causes more problems in this world than scarcity does. Okay, some of you are shy this morning. Keep your hands up. I want to see... It's again about 50-50. Uh, it depends on who has the abundance and who has the scarcity, right? Maybe. We're going to look at a story this morning that talks about both. And we might even come to the conclusion that abundance can cause us more problems in the world than scarcity does. Last one, number five. If I step away from God's purpose or will, he may not intervene. If I step away from God's purpose or will, he may not intervene. See some yeses and I see some noes. We're about... Uh, probably 50-50, good section of no up here and some yeses. We're going to talk about that this morning because we can 
Some of us may think this morning, if I'm not following God's will, then God steps back and says, ah, here you go. And that might be the case, but there's a story that we're looking at today in the life of Abraham as we continue our wandering series, where Abraham potentially even steps back away from God's will, and God steps even closer. And we're going to explore that this morning. I invite you to bow your heads with me for one last prayer as we open up God's word. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for today, and I thank you for the ability that we have to gather in this space. As we open up your love letter to us, a book that was written over 2,000 years ago, may you, the author, come and sit beside us right here, right now, and whisper into our ears the intent and meaning of these scriptures. God will give you the honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're continuing our series called Wondering, From the Known to the Unknown. And we started two weeks ago looking at the life of Abraham, and we get to chapter 2 of Abraham's life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start off halfway through Genesis chapter 12 and verse 9, and then work our way through Genesis chapter 13. And as you're turning there in your Bibles, we'll also have it on the screen for you. Have you ever noticed how we in society, particularly when we need to make a decision or figure out who begins a sports game in what direction, we'll take out a little piece of metal from our pocket that's circular in fashion. There's a head on one side and a tail's on the other. The referee will take that, shoot it up in the air, either let it fall or let it hold, and flip it over, and we'll find out which direction we're going, right? And likely, tomorrow, there are going to be some people that, depending on who wins the coin flip, will be very upset, and some people will be very happy. And if your team didn't get the coin flip and you lost, then you're like, well, there's another reason that we lost, right? No, okay. And it's a good day the Cowboys aren't in the Super Bowl. We just, we'll leave that there. It's okay. I'm a Seahawks fan. We're not there either. We'll um, yeah. But oddly enough, this morning we're going to look at a coin. It's got two sides to it. But it's not the side that it lands on that depends the outcome. The outcome is dependent upon what you do with the coin. The first side of the coin we'll call feast. The second side of the coin we'll call famine. And sometimes it feels like life flips that coin for us and we either have feast or famine. But in reality, if we take that coin and what we do with that coin, depend, we'll, the outcome will hang on what we do with that coin. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 9, Abraham journeyed on. Remember, he had stopped in Canaan. And he continuing to the Southlands, some of your scriptures will read um, the Negev. I've put Southlands in there so we know Negev means nothing to us, but Southlands does. And now there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And last week, we finished off with this quote from Bob Goff. As Abraham is, is journeying through page 197 of his book, Love Does. Yet they didn't need all the details because they were on an adventure with a father who wanted to take them. You don't need to know everything when you're with someone you trust. So map on the screen, Abraham is in the middle of a journey. He starts over on the bottom right portion over in Ur, and he comes up to kind of that middle of that triangle to a place called Haran. He turns the corner down to 
Canaan. It's down on the bottom left. You can, it's kind of small. You'll probably be able to read it. You recognize Bethel or Hebron in Jerusalem. He's making his journey down through Canaan, and a famine strikes the land. And last week, or two weeks ago, we saw how Canaan's the promised land, but it was inhabited with people. And so Abraham's faced with, yeah, I'm supposed to accept this land, but there's so many people here. And not only that, there's a famine that's come on the land. So Abraham chooses to go even further south. And he flirts with the idea of leaving the promised land to the extent that he heads over to Egypt on the bottom left. Let's continue reading in Genesis chapter 12, 11 through 16, and see what Abraham does with his journey. Genesis chapter 12, 11 through, we'll start in verse 11 on the screen here. It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, see now, I know that you're a beautiful woman. Started off great, great compliment. Abram, you're doing well. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And they will kill me, but they'll let you live. Verse 13. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. Next verse. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Verse 16. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. Abraham is in Egypt. He's worried. He says to Sarah, you're, you're beautiful. But then he starts to go down a path that starts to get away from God's purpose and his calling for his life. He has a decision. Does he stay in Canaan and risk death of famine? Or does he go to Egypt and risk death because of his beautiful wife? Either way forward, he sees death. But in some ways, he'd rather risk his relationship with his wife and go down to Egypt than to actually risk his own life in famine. Yes, there was risk in there, but he'd rather put her on the line than him. God's promised land was abundant, but he couldn't quite see it yet. So he decides to go down to Egypt, and he was likely only intending to stay there for a little bit. And there's a passage later on in Genesis that say after they, they, I think it's in Genesis 20 around verse 13, that Abraham and Sarai actually had an agreement when they left Haran that as they were traveling through, Sarai would say that she was his sister because she was his half-sister, really, but the more important relationship was that they were husband and wife. And he didn't quite honor that. And at first it seems like his plan may backfire. But on the outset, as we read further into it, he's really acting in the place of her father because their father had died and now he, as the brother, would be the one to step up and carry out the rites of marriage. And Abram is obviously a respected person and Pharaoh is doing his best to try to impress Abram. He's giving him camels and donkeys and female servants and male servants and all the above so that maybe, just maybe, when he goes and asks for Sarai's hand, Abram will give her to him. But God doesn't let Abram get away with a half-truth. A half-truth is still not a full truth, and that's still a lie. And God steps in in Genesis chapter 12, verse 17. But the Lord struck Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this you have done to me? 
Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Next verse. Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. God calls checkmate. He says, Abram, you've not acted according to the promise. You didn't stay in Canaan. It was occupied, and I said, you need to come and stay here. There's a famine come on the land, but don't you think I'm a big enough God that can provide for you? But God doesn't let Abram fall. And this is the, the interesting part of this story because you would expect, perhaps in the minds of people, their image of God is that we do something wrong and he immediately punishes us. But God actually punishes Pharaoh to teach Abraham a lesson and to teach us a lesson as well. Because you see, Abraham would have been better off in the promised land with a famine than in enemy territory with riches. Even though Abram was not truthful, God still protected him. Flip of the coin lands on famine. Abram chooses his own devices and his own ways to go down to Egypt. Instead of taking that result and taking that coin and saying, okay, I've been dealt this hand, God, what should I do next? He ends up going back to Canaan. Flip of the coin again. We look at feast, Genesis chapter 13, starting off in verse 1. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the south lands, he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot, that's his nephew, was with him. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. Go figure, right? He just got all that from Pharaoh. Next verse. He went on his journeys from the south lands as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and AI. Have you ever been in that experience where God said, I need you to go here? You have your Jonah experience that you go someplace else, and you end up going back to the very place that you began in the beginning? God says, all right, take two. Let's try this again. Abraham, in verse 3 of chapter 13, finds himself back at the beginning where God was trying to teach him a lesson. Rely on me in the promised land. You can't see it yet, but it's coming. Verse 4. To the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And imagine that conversation for a moment in your mind's eye. As Abram has done something that's against the will of God, he comes back. I'm sure he's sorry. He apologizes. Imagine the conversation that he had to have with Sarai. When he gave Sarai up to Pharaoh. She's like, what are you doing? Come on. But he's back at the beginning where it all started, but all is not well for long. Even though the promise of God in this particular moment is that God will always work out our redemption and always work for our reclamation to call us back from where we've gone, strife rises up in Abraham's life. It's in verses five through seven that it describes that not only has Abram's house been raised up, it's also Lot's house as well. And there's conflict now because you can only fit so many sheep and so many square acres. So Abram's shepherds are fighting with Lot's shepherds and they're going back and forth, trying to figure out a way to survive together and it comes to the point that they need to split. We pick up the story in verse eight, Genesis chapter 13. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen for we are brothers. Next verse. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me 
If to the left, then I'll go to the right. If to the right, then I'll go to the left. Verse 10 and 11. So Lot lifted up his eyes and chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus, they separated from each other. At this moment in time, Abram could have easily said, Lot, I'm going to take the better land because I'm the senior, I'm your uncle, and that's how things are going to go. But Abram, perhaps learning his lesson from his time in famine and his time in Egypt, has said, okay, I'm going to step back. Lot, why don't you decide? If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And of course, Lot, the up-and-coming entrepreneur, picks the land with, in his eyes, the most promise. It's down by the Jordan River. It's lush, it's green, but it's also close to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And we'll look later on in Abraham's life about how that influences future decisions. But now Abraham is left with practically nothing. Yes, he has his possessions. He's feasting because of everything that he has. But he looks back over across the land because Lot has picked out the very best. And now Abram's left with the rest. Yes, it's the promised land, but he doesn't quite see it yet. He's left with nothing. But in that moment, he finally decides to lean into the promise and do what God had instructed him to do from the beginning. Because it's in verse 12 of Genesis chapter 13 that Abram settled in the land of Canaan. For close to 20 verses, we've seen a story of Abraham going from one way to another, trying to figure out how the promised land is going to work. Trying to figure out how, yes, God, I've heard the promise, but the land of Canaan is occupied, there's a famine in the land, what am I supposed to do? But he finally settled in Canaan with the hope of a promise. Reminds me of the passage in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Has God promised you something? Have you read something in scripture and said, yes, absolutely, God, if that could happen right now, that would help me out. And you step away, and your marriage is still crumbling. Your relationship with your kids is still waning. You still don't, know how, you still don't have enough money to pay the bills. You're still struggling with this addiction. You're still struggling with this fascination, whatever it might be. Sometimes God leads us into a place speaking only, and we don't quite see how everything is going to work out. But we have to live within the promise of God. If God has promised it, it will come about. If he speaks something, if he says something, that thing is going to happen. But the timing isn't up to us. See, we can run down to Egypt thinking we can go there and be provided for, but what would Abram's life would have looked like and his faith, how it would have grown if he had stayed in Canaan and though it was inhabited and there was a famine in the land, if he could have seen how God was willing to provide for him. And some of you today might be in that same place that Abram was. You've been promised something, you're calling God out on it, but you're running frantically from side to side, trying to figure out how the school bill's gonna get paid, trying to figure out how you're gonna salvage this relationship, and God has called you to simply come and settle in the promised land. Because the moment that Abram settles, the moment that he decides, okay, Canaan is gonna be our home, God comes to him. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. 
the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look. All the land which you see I give to you and to your descendants forever. Next verse. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which were in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Abram settles, leans into the promise, and inhabits the promised land. Abraham had to live in the not yet. The promise had come. God reminds him of it here and says, all of this land's going to be yours, and I'm going to give it to your descendants. And Abram finally recognizes, he says, yes, okay, God, I'm going to pitch my tent here. This is where we're going to live. Reminds me of another writer in the New Testament who also struggled in the in-between of the coin flip of the feast and the famine. Philippians chapter 4, it was read a moment ago. This is Paul speaking to those who lived in Philippi. He says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Do you want to know the secret? Next verse. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In feast or in famine, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In scarcity, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In abundance, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You might not see the promise fulfilled. You might not see what the Bible talks about. Yeah, that abundant life. God, I haven't seen that yet. It's coming. God promises, and his promises are sure. Our praise team is going to come join me back up on the stage and lead us through two more songs. And then this next one that they're going to lead us through It's a song called Worthy is the Lamb. It's that lamb who gives us strength. It was Jesus who came so that no matter abundance or poverty, whatever you've been blessed with in either case, when we lean on Jesus, though the promise seems so far away, as we lean into him and we say, okay, God, you've called me to the promised land. I'm here. You called me to Southwestern, that promised land. The bills are high, but God, I'm here. What's next? And as we settle into where God has called us, it allows him space in our lives to speak to our hearts. We're not running from here to there to figure out what's going on in our lives, but as we settle in and we rely on God, it's his strength that gets us through. Jesus is the lamb that's worthy. He's the one that's taken our sin and has given us the opportunity, no matter our scarcity or our abundance, to live in total commitment to him. So my question for you this morning is what would you rather have? Means without purpose or purpose without means? Thanks so much for listening. You know, we don't really have to be perfect, do we? In order for God to work on our behalf. 
That's what we've just heard. You can mess up sometimes. You can do things the wrong way. And God is still going to work with our choices. I don't know. I feel like with God, it's, it's multiple choice. Uh, he allows us to have free will. That is one of the hugest parts of his love for us. It's also good to remember that God's plans are not without challenges. That, you know, we might have to navigate just like Abraham had to navigate some challenges on his own. You know, you'd think with God's plans, everything is perfect and goes well, but there's still things that we got to do. And uh, there might be a lot of take twos or take three. We might not always get you know, what we deserve. Maybe some things are unfair. We can't just stop and be like, oh, obviously this is not God's plan because it's not fair. But it's actually how our faith grows when we go through things that are not fair. It's important to blossom where we're planted. I had my master's degree and I ended up working at a gym for half a year. And I was thinking, God, is this possible? Like, why am I here? And it was when I finally decided to bloom where I was planted and just to allow God to lead that he finally did move me. So I guess a good question to ask ourselves is, are we giving up too easily where God is leading us just because there are challenges? Thanks so much for listening to Elevate Retake. Elevate Retake, it's recorded weekly at Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder and Isaac Chang. Our sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Elanis, Candice McCormick, Isa Manu, Semu Sialoga, and Alethea Gelbin. Special thanks to Danae Sanji and 88.3 The Journey. Stay connected. You can find Elevate on Instagram and Facebook at This Is Elevate TX. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10.15 a.m. on the Keen Church YouTube page. We'd love to have you join us. There is always room for one more.